Joining us now is one of those frontline healthcare workers we have with us, Dr. Jonathan Max from Amida Health. Hi, Dr. Max. How are you? Hi, G. Greetings. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? <laughs> doing well, sir. You sound good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always happy to chat with you. And I, I want to say before we talk about coronavirus, um, I really love Dearborn Denim. You know, you just had that piece with uh, Rob, the, uh, the owner and creator of Dearborn Denim. Yes. Great local company. Um, you know, and we always talk about shopping local. Um, and it's one of those local success stories. Um, great jeans. If you haven't bought them, <laughs> haven't tried them, I would try them. Well, look at you, Dr. Max. You you are getting out of the hospital a little bit. You don't spend all your time there. <laughs> once in a while, once in a while. <laughs> well, I'm going to put the number out there right now. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Because you know what happens, Dr. Max, is that everybody calls right at the end of our conversation time. And I'm like, I have to let Dr. Max go. He's got to relax and, and rest a little bit from his day. But then, so I'm putting the number out there now. So if you've got a question, question for Dr. Max. Uh, don't miss out on being able to ask him a question directly live right here on WGN Radio. So go ahead and uh, jot down that number. Okay, so uh, Dr. Max, so let's talk a little bit about things that are changing. I know that it's, it's, it's remarkable that what we're learning is still changing by the day. Yes, uh, I, I spend a lot of time and most physicians spend a lot of time on a daily basis, seven days a week, reading through new information on coronavirus. Um, tons of studies. It's it's phenomenal that we actually have access to all these things because of the internet and collaboration throughout the world. But tons tons of things are changing. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because how does that work? I mean, everyone is so busy. How how do you, how does everybody at the hospital stay on the same page about what's changed and what's new? Do you have a big meeting? Is there one giant email that goes out? Most most healthcare systems and and I'm part of Amita Health. Um, Amita Health, for example, if we use 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 what we do in Amita Health, we have several task forces as well as conference calls and town halls for the physicians and the associates to discuss the latest and greatest, to discuss what's working, not working, um, and and uh, share information with other healthcare systems. Well, we've been talking a lot in the first hour of the show about PPE um, and, you know, that there's still a, a lack of that. What's the situation over at Amita? So Amita is doing okay right now, and it's, um, it, it's a challenge nationwide. Um, but um, I think that all of our um, social distancing and staying at home, our, our hand washing, and all these preventive measures that our nation has taken um, have dropped that that curve and that peak so that we're actually using less PPE than we anticipated. But I'll tell you this, G, that all of our hospitals are running full tilt right now with coronavirus patients who are, mm-hmm. who are super, super sick, as well as all the other patients that come into the hospital. Wow. We've been hearing a lot about quarantine fatigue right now that's happening with everyone that's staying at home and working from home. What would you say to people that are still, you know, feeling that and and how important it is that they still continue to maintain staying at home and, and quarantining and making sure to keep up with their social distancing? 
It's a huge challenge. Um, from a physician standpoint, um, many patients call um, into their doctors and, and do virtual visits, um, so kind of uh, almost like a FaceTime thing, but using something like a Zoom platform, and want to see their doctors and make sure that, that some of the symptoms they're experiencing are not COVID-19, to make sure that some of their feelings that they have are quote-unquote normal or expected in this time of crisis. Um, those, those, that, that feeling of, of being insecure or feeling anxious are, are normal, but those are things that we have to address. And it's important to recognize those things, reach out to healthcare professionals, especially folks like therapists, psychologists, mm -hmm. but also to family members and friends and make sure you, you, you think about what, what life is about. Absolutely. And you got to still continue to stay home and, and obey the uh, stay at home order, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's still important to flattening the curve. It's not over. I think there's a little bit of with the fatigue, it's sort of, oh, well, maybe it's getting better or it's not that bad. Maybe I don't have to, you know, obey the rules as much as I should. But you're saying that's not the case, right? Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right, G. And I, I think as it gets warmer at some point here in Chicago, um, uh, people are going to quickly forget about the, um, uh, you know, these these recommendations and want to spend time with friends and family. Um, uh, but we have to think about the big picture. We have to think about what's best for each other. When you, when we go out and wear masks, it, 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 there there are multiple components to that, G. It's not only protecting yourself. But it's also protecting others, mm -hmm. um, and and that's that's part of the whole picture. And you, you're protecting the young and the old. You're protecting everyone on your block and in your neighborhood. Absolutely. We do have a therapist coming up, by the way. But right now, Amita Internal Medicine Dr. Jonathan Max is with us. We're going to be talking about these strokes that they're seeing right now in young people with mild coronavirus symptoms and also possible new symptoms that have been added. Um, actually, not possible, but they've been added to the CDC list. We're going to talk about all of that, plus any of your questions, 312-981-7200, all coming up with Dr. Max. With us is Amita Internal Medicine, Dr. Jonathan Max. Dr. Max, uh, we got to talk about this right away because so many people have been, it's been in the news, so many people are worried about this, strokes in younger people with milder coronavirus symptoms. Gosh, you know, gee, this was big news. Um, this case report was published yesterday in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of the premier medical journals. And the report listed five patients from New York City, all younger than 50 years old, so pretty young. All five of them had acute strokes in the setting of coronavirus. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, this is pretty unusual. Um, what was really notable about this case report was that all five of them presented within a two-week period. Now, to keep it put in perspective, um, a, a hospital or a healthcare system might get five patients who are younger than 50 exhibiting stroke symptoms over maybe three, four, even six months. So just to have five of these patients in a two-week period, all of them actually not just had coronavirus, but were characterized as having severe mm -hmm. um, COVID-19, um, just to make matters worse. So what's the conclusion from this? I mean, is it, I mean, now, now what do you look for? Well, 
it, it's it, it, it's uh, kind of a mixed bag. Um, uh, you know the the Paul Harvey uh, uh, radio show. You know yes. the rest of the story. So yes, which is now happening um, at on um, the Bob Serrat show. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right in the mornings. The um, so there's probably more to the story. Um, the the report described those five patients. Three of them had risk factors for stroke. So two of them had uncontrolled diabetes. One had hypertension, so high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So those are some of the traditional risk factors for having a stroke. Um, but but um, more than that, um, we think that this is an example of something called a coagulopathy, so kind of like a clotting disorder, which is a reflection of tremendous inflammation. And one of the ways in which we think coronavirus um, uh, causes really severe symptoms and can be fatal in some folks. Um, most of the people who most people who end up uh, passing away from coronavirus are are older folks over the age of fifty. Mm-hmm. But um, we're learning more and more that there are all these unusual symptoms and less commonly associated symptoms um, that are linked to, to coronavirus, much like a stroke. And that's one of the reasons why I think the CDC changed their kind of warning uh, symptoms um, on their website a few days ago. And they also added something really, really neat too: this kind of emergency warning signs. And on the emergency warning signs, they talk about things like um, uh, persistent pain or pressure in the chest. But they also talk about new confusion and inability to arouse. and when you think about new confusion, um, that could be a presenting sign of of, of a stroke. I was going to ask if that's also something to look for now. I mean, are symptom are symptoms of a stroke as well? What are I mean, what are those? So there's a um, there's kind of a, a easy way to remember a stroke, and um, uh, we use we use the acronym FAST F A S T, and so what that refers to is uh, F stands for facial droop, so someone suddenly having one side that can't move on their mm-hmm. face. A stands for arm weakness, so you think about arm weakness suddenly, or someone can't lift their arm, or, or someone becomes clumsy on, on one side of their body. S stands for speech difficulties, so trouble making words um, uh, or trouble finding the right words all of a sudden. And then T stands for time, so fast, F-A-S-T. And those are the classic kind of um, uh, stroke symptoms um, that these five patients in the, in the case report um, exhibited. Um, and it goes back to this idea of how uh, coronavirus is, is is changing. When we look at the CDC um, warning signs, G, mm-hmm. um, uh, they've changed a little bit too. So, so we still talk a lot about cough, you know, as as one of the the symptoms that we think of. We also talk about shortness of breath, but the CDC added difficulty breathing. Um, and when you hear that, I I I, I read that. It's shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. To me, it's kind of the same. But then when you think about it. Um, People hear different terms and think different things. Okay. So, so you know how I like to eat and I like cooking and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's kind of like when you, when you describe a dish, you say, well, one person will say it's spicy, another person will say it's hot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, hot can be temperature hot or spicy hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and spicy means different things, different people. So, you talk about shortness of breath. You talk about difficulty breathing. 
But then the CDC also added some some new symptoms, which I'm really re- I really really like. They um, there's still fever, but um, they've added chills. They've added repeated shaking with chills. They've added muscle pains, headaches, sore throats, and then also something that's kind of bizarro: a new loss of taste or smell. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you might have heard of um, anecdotally from some folks, and, right. and really occurs. Um, personally, I would have added fatigue and diarrhea in there because those are other symptoms in, in um, uh, published reports of, of patients um, uh, presenting with, with coronavirus and unusual symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the CDC change, um, and it's something worthwhile uh, for all of your listeners to, to, to learn about. Um, speaking of our listeners, 312-981-7200 for any questions for Amita Internal Medicine, Dr. Jonathan Max. Let's talk to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. You're on the air. What question do you have for Dr. Max? Hi, Dr. Max. Um, yeah, the governor said that anyone could get tested now, not just people who have been in contact with someone. Um, if you just have a few symptoms but you don't need medical attention, are there is there any point in getting tested, and are there risks maybe if you don't have COVID, you're going to people who are testing people who are exposed to it all day? Are you putting yourself at risk? Should you go uh, get tested? Yeah, or great, not? great, great question, Lisa. It's it's a hot topic, and when I when um, Gina and I spoke earlier about about what healthcare systems do to learn and to to study COVID nineteen. This is one of those hot topics. Who do we test? When do we test? How do we test? Um, The Illinois Department of Public Health has, on their website, has a nice link to areas based upon your municipality and zip code where you can get testing. Um, Testing is going to be important in the long term to help identify who has coronavirus or who had it, so past tense, um, compared to those who haven't. uh, testing facilities are doing a phenomenal job of keeping the, the people who are doing the tests safe, but also keeping the, the patients who come through to be tested safe as well. So th- those, those participants are always wearing, you know, the full PPE, you know, the moon suits and all that jazz um, to protect themselves, but then also protect you if you go for testing. Um, the problem with testing, though, Lisa, is that some tests – um, aren't super accurate, and there are a lot of ways in which the test can be less accurate than more accurate. For example, if you, um, you know, right now we use these these nasal swabs. Um, if you don't get a lot of material in the nasal swab, you might get a false negative test if you actually have coronavirus. Um, but I think it's a great idea overall to get testing. The other problem, Lisa, is that we don't have as many tests available as, as as there are those who want to be tested right now. Lisa, I hope uh, Dr. Max has answered your question. Thank Does you. Does that help? Yes. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Are you thinking about getting tested? Um, I don't know. I think I probably just have allergies, but... Okay. Uh, I probably won't get tested, but also I'm the one that does all the shopping for my house, but I wear a mask, so Uh I'm thinking if I'm leaving the house, Mm -hmm. I don't want to expose others, so... um I was going to ask Lisa, you. Lisa, I don't know, that's just... awesome. That, that's awesome that you wear a mask and that you're very careful. It, that's the 
the best way to prevent coronavirus, the best way to treat it is to prevent it in the first place and prevent the spread by, by doing those cautious uh, actions. That's awesome. Thanks, Lisa, so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. You stay safe out there. Thank you. As you're doing all the Thanks, grocery. Dr. Mack. Yeah, doing all the grocery shopping, Thanks, too. She's running all the errands and doing the grocery. Because that is the recommendation, that if everyone's staying at home, that there's one person that sort of does those essential errands for people. But, the, you know, Lisa's question was kind of interesting, Dr. Max, too. The follow-up to that is a lot of people are having allergies right now, suffering from really bad allergies. How do you know if it's allergies or if it's you know, a mild or, or coronavirus? You know, many times you don't know. Um, we, we, we've identified that anywhere from 80 to 85% of people with coronavirus might have very few, if any, symptoms. Um, and that's, that's still an estimate, though. So um, we're in the middle or we're beginning to, to enter um, allergy season for a lot of folks. Um, and whether your symptoms are coronavirus or not, it's, it's hard to tell. Some folks want to be tested for that reason to kind of differentiate them, but these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can still have allergies, G, and then you have coronavirus at the same time. One of the, one of the questions to ask people, too, um, and, and, you know, for your listeners to ask themselves is if they do get tested and they're positive, um, it, will that change anything you do? Um, Many, many folks will argue that that testing should be reserved for people who who um, have more severe symptoms and who are sicker because then it, it helps helps us, the healthcare professionals, decide what to do with those patients and how to treat them. Mm-hmm. If someone just has kind of allergy-type symptoms, maybe just kind of write it out and see how you do. Dr. Max, something that they've just been talking about on the nightly news today, so I don't even know that you know that much about it because you're constantly <laughs> keeping up with all this information, but it's the new um, positive trial results from uh, a potential... Resumivir. Yes, I'm glad yeah. you said it because I don't know how to pronounce it. So <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Yeah, what, is this, what are you hearing about this? Is this, uh, is this a really possibility of solving uh, our problems potentially? Well, well, this this preliminary report, and I want to stress preliminary report, um, really you know blew up the airwaves for for the medical community um, because of course you know Dr. Fauci talked about it mm-hmm. and and gave it a vote of confidence and um, according to to the readings, but I haven't read the actual um, paper yet, and I don't think anyone has has access to it yet, except for limited folks, um, suggested a 30, 35% improvement in severe COVID cases. Um, so folks who are hospitalized and were really, really sick, um, uh, that's a big number. That's a huge number. Um, doesn't sound like a lot, but in the big picture, it's, it's, it's a huge success. More than anything else, what, what this, this study seems to tell us mm-hmm. is that, um, that, we there, there's a chance to treat coronavirus. There's a chance to successfully treat it um, in a very effective way, um, and gives us an avenue for future research. Um, this resdemivir was a medicine G that was um, developed for I think it was SARS mm-hmm. um, or MERS, uh, you know, one of the other coronaviruses, and um, was found to be um, modestly successful. Oh, you know, I, I take that back. It's actually Ebola virus. Now that I remember. Okay. So it was, it was developed for Ebola virus and um, kind of worked with that. Then it was tried um, in trials with 
with SARS and MERS, and it was pretty effective there. So that's why was, you know, we started trials, international trials with um, COVID-19. Wow. One more thing before uh, you have to go, Dr. Max, really quickly, just wanted to ask you, I know that there were new possible symptoms that you discussed added to the CDC list, uh, but what about this rashes and purple lesions and, and on people's feet and toes as well? Uh, are, are you referring to COVID? Toes? <laughs> yes, and, yeah, it's not a new. Like yeah, it's not a new hot pedicure for sure. No, 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 not at all. It's um, it seems to be a um, a real phenomenon. I'm not sure if anyone understands understands what's going on, um, but uh, many times it's described almost like a um, like a. Um, uh, what's called chill blains or, you know, like a, a frozen uh, finger, um, frostbite, that kind of thing mm-hmm. that moves from, from you know, one, one foot to the other, or both feet, and then to the fingertips as well. Um, and sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's not. It tends to occur in, in younger adults, so adults in their late teens to their late 20s. Um, and it's thought to be some sort of skin manifestation of coronavirus. Wow. Okay. Um, so some, it's, another it's, thing to look out for. Another thing to look out for. It's not on the on the CDC list yet, but it might be soon. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We salute you here at WGN Radio. Really appreciate you working on the front line there at Amita Health Internal Medicine. Dr. Jonathan Max, look forward to talking with you again soon. Until then, stay safe, sir. Thanks, G. You too. Bye now.